0: been different. This journey has been different. And this is what happens when you commit to the reading of the word and when you commit to it in its totality. Like when you actually commit to just reading the entire thing instead of just receiving a message from a verse here and a verse there and a verse here and a verse there. But when you actually get the whole thing, it's um it, it, I'm telling you it's a, it's an eye-opening experience and the author of this book God himself, the author of this book, asked for us to read it this way. He didn't want us to read it like in some codified book where we just read and spar on different verses and rules and things like that. That's not how he intended it. He intended for us to read the whole thing as a letter. So, yeah, you can, um, you can, you can catch up on the Read and Rants on the Read and Rant podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm feeding them through as we go. Um, and you can also catch them on our Facebook group, the font everywhere, but the reading rant podcast has been made available to you. So I want to encourage you to go and check it out. Guys, we, uh, I believe today we've hit 5,000 downloads. We were creeping up to 5,000 and today we have 5000 downloads, which is just, just incredible that, um, we're getting a few thousand, I'm sorry, a few hundred downloads a day, uh, from you guys. And that's just been, been just amazing to see what the Lord is doing through, Uh, this podcast i just never expected i thought i was gonna have a couple of you guys i just put it on for a few of you to hey if you ever miss a reading rant you can just catch it on the podcast but now it's become a community and man that's incredible i just didn't expect it i wasn't planning for it but hey this is what we're doing and this is what happens when we read the word this is what happens when we submit, submit to our time in reading the word so today we're going to read through the book of ruth um And Ruth isn't a long book, so it's going to be one reading. We're just going to read uh, through it. Um, And so that's going to be our time today. For those of you who are for the first time, we're just reading through the Bible. We spend 20, 30 minutes a day reading through Scripture. And with that, we've now read through the entire New Testament, and now we're journeying through the entire um, Old Testament. Um, If you were with us yesterday, you would find... Or let me let me back that up. If you were here yesterday, um you should have left that reading in attention. Like in a in attention of well, where do we go from here? It's the read and rant podcast. Uh, where do we go from here? Um you would have you would have left in a tension of man, is this the condition of man? And what do we do at this point? And and you would have left in the tension of that last verse in Judges 21, verse 25, when it says that in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It would have left you in a tension. And for many of you, it's sort of a dark place to end. But again, this reveals the consequence of what happens when man chooses his kingdom over God's kingdom, when man chooses what's right in his own eyes. And yet that's where we are now, and we find ourselves there. But now we read Ruth, and and now we're going to see a shift. And that's where we're gonna to go today. We're gonna to read through Ruth, and we're gonna see where the Lord leads. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, as we come before you, we're asking three questions today, Lord. What are you revealing concerning yourself? What are you revealing concerning your people? What are you revealing concerning me? Father, I'm asking you, what are you revealing concerning me? Father, I pray that you would speak in this time, breathe life into this reading. Lord, give us blood revelation and and clarity and allow us to see what needs to be seen as we read the scripture. And we ask that in your name, we pray. Amen. Ruth 1, verse 1, and let's go. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of the wife was Naomi, and the name of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there, Elimelech. Naomi's husband died where she was left and her two sons. Now they took two wives of the children of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. But then both Malon and Chilion had also died. So the women survived. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited His people by giving them bread. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her. They went out on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as he has dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb, that there may be your that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to your people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you for wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything, but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now the two of them went and came to Bethlehem, and it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? But she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again, empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabites said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, go my daughter. And she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now, behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servants who who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? Sorry, my page just flipped. Verse six, so the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, it is the young Moabite woman who came with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother in the land of your birth, and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain to her and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men saying, let her glean among the sheaves and do not reproach her. Also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she gleaned, and about and it was about an effa of barley. And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother in law saw that she had gleaned. She brought out and gave it to her. Sorry, so she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where have you gleaned today, and where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked, and said, This this man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Ruth said to the "He's." he also said to me, you shall stay by my young men until they have finished all my harvests. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women and that people do not meet you in any other field. So he stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of the barley harvest And the wheat harvest and she dwelt with her mother-in-law then naomi her mother-in-law said to her my daughter shall i not seek security for you that it may be well with you now boaz whose young women you were with is he not our relative in fact he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor therefore wash yourself and anoint yourself Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the men until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you should notice the place where he lies and you shall go in, uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her and Boaz had eaten and drunk. And his heart was cheerful. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly, uncovered his feet and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself and turned himself. And there was a woman lying at his feet. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Then he said, blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter. For you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. For all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Now it is true that I'm a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Stay this night. In the morning, it shall be that he will perform the duty of a close relative to you. Uh, sorry, for you. Good. Let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you as the Lord lives. Lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning and she arose before one could recognize another. Then he said, do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Also, he said, bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. When she held it, he measured six ephahs of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Is that you, my daughter? And she told her all that the men had done for her. And she said, These six ephahs of barley she, he gave me. For he said to me, Do not go empty-handed. Sorry, to your mother-in-law. Then she said, Sit, my daughter until you know how the matter will turn out, for the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter of this day. Last chapter. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat there. And behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, Come aside, friend, sit down here. So he came aside and sat down. Then he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. And he said to the close relative, Naomi has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of the land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it. And I am next after you. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. And the close relatives said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm anything, one man took off his sandal and gave it to another. And this was the confirmation in Israel. Therefore, the close relatives said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal. And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, your witnesses this day, that all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead, through his inheritance. For the name of the dead may not be cut off from among the brethren and from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel, that you may prosper in Ephrata and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this woman. So Boaz took Ruth and became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception. and She bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative. And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to your restorer of life and nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is better than you and seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. But the neighbor woman gave him a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi, they shall call his name Obed. His father, he is the father of Jesse and the father of David. Now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab. Aminadab begot Nahashon. Nahashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz. Boaz begot Obed. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David. The word of God. Oh. <sighs> There's a lot here. Um, There's a lot going on here in this text. Um, And as I read this, I want to point out what's really sticking out to me today as I read um, this, this text. Ruth is one of the outliers in the scripture Ruth is is a um Ruth is not like any other book in the Bible um, for for one when you read Ruth you hear very little of the name Yahweh in the book um, you see very little written about God and it almost seems like this story is kind of just got thrown in when you read it, right? We, up to this point, as you as we've been reading, we've been reading a history of the children of God, right? The history of the people of God and and how God is reinstituting his kingdom through the story of these people, the chosen people from Genesis to Exodus to Leviticus to Numbers to Deuteronomy to Joshua. From Genesis to Joshua we're essentially, instead of reading the the first five books as the law and then we read now the historical books, you know Joshua, Judges, Ruth 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings 1st and 2nd Chronicles instead of reading it that way what we actually should be reading it in the back up is to read it as a history of a people a chronology of sorts and so genesis the history of humanity begins in genesis and now the history of humanity is being articulated through the backbone of the history of the chosen people of god go back catch those reading rants i don't want to stay there for too long because there's so much here and then we get to joshua and we see the story in Joshua, the children of Israel occupied now. They, they, they took the land that was given um, um, to them, that was promised to them. They subdued the land and they were told to now establish the law of God. That is the law that they were given, the law of God, to be now this nation of priests and to occupy this land, to give now a reintroduction of the kingdom of God on earth Instead of eradicating the Canaanites, they left Canaanites there even after their victory, the warning that Josh gave. So where Joshua ends with them warning them, make sure you get rid of all that leaven. They didn't. And then Judges shows us what happens. So I want to say one thing, and then that's going to lead to a few other things. But I want to say one thing. It's been chronological let's say fairly chronological. One thing after the other thing, after the other thing, after the other thing, after the other thing. So it's been a consistent sort of uh, an ordered history of things, a temporal order of the history of things all the way to the end of Joshua um, for all intents and purposes. But then it ends, the chronology ends at Judges. And the reason why I bring that up is because What Ruth is about is what we see in the first verse and in the last verse. Man, I don't know if I have the time. There's so much. Even though it's one of the smallest books, it's one of the most critical books in the scripture. Ruth almost seems like, it it almost feels like Ruth comes out of nowhere. It just kind of gets thrown into the Bible. And it seems different than all the other texts. But when you understand how Ruth fits within the story of all things, in the story of humanity, then now you begin to have an understanding to know this is the purpose of Ruth. The purpose of Ruth, let me make very clear to you that the purpose of Ruth can be found in those last four verses. And yet, the first verse in the Bible tells us how Ruth becomes a part of the story. I'm going to make it all make sense in a minute. We just read Judges. And in Judges, we read about Othniel. We we read about um, 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 Deborah and Gideon and Samson, all these Judges and and we often read it, and we read it as a, chronology, a a chronological series of events. You know, from Deborah to Gideon, right, Othniel to, you know, and there's a few judges sprinkled in between each one, Othniel, then to Deborah, and then to Gideon, and then, right, and then and you got Samson, and then it kind of continues on. But that's not actually what happened. The Book of Judges, if you recall, these judges were particular military and political leaders at a particular period of time in a particular location. So the judges, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm going to Bible study mode for a second, but I have to say it so that way you can get where the Lord is leading me today to 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 encourage you with um, as we read this. But the the, the book of Judges shouldn't be read that way, because the judges that we see in the scripture, they're judges for a particular people at a particular time within the land of Israel. So, these are series of events that don't necessarily cover the entire land, or that have implications for the entire land, but rather a series of events that are occurring in pockets all around the nation, uh, the land of Israel, in the land that Israel has taken over, in Canaan. So, we see the, the the struggle between Israel and the Moabites and the Canaanites and the Ishmaelites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and all the other ites. And you see these judges, for example, the Philistines, right? Samson, Samson's story of the Philistines is very, in a lot of ways, microcosmic. It's, it's, it's specific to Samson in the time and in the place that he's in. And, and so all these judges, they're not like one who rules the entire land, because often we, we see it that way, where it's just one judge ruling the entire land, and the next judge rules the entire land, and the next judge rules the entire land. Now, it's been taught that way to me, but my understanding of it now is that the book of Judges is not chronological, okay? The book of Judges is not chronological. It's given in a certain order because what Judges was intended to do is to show you what we closed with yesterday, is to reveal to you the precipitous moral decline of the children of Israel. Because of that, when we read the story of Deborah, Deborah didn't happen before Gideon. We shouldn't read it that way. Deborah's happening maybe at the same time as Gideon. Again, there's... there's there's all there's a lot of debates among theologians about this so i don't want to get into a full debate here because that's not the point that all i'm saying is is that don't read the book of judges as a chronology but rather read it as a story that's being presented in a certain order and yes what happened at the beginning happened at the beginning and what happened at the end happened at the end that that was true but then what's transpiring in between the beginning and end is kind of in the book is presented in a way to reveal to you a story why does this matter? This matters because, remember, the scriptures are meant to reveal the heart, the character of God, and the story of God that culminates and that is that uh, is that that is a climax at Jesus, okay? So, what Judges is doing is just giving us a story. And Judges reveals to us, right, the, the basement, the depravity of man. And so, we see these short stories, but don't read them chronologically, but read them as a series of events that happened, some of them were happening at overlapping times. It's believed that Gideon was happening at almost the same time as Deborah. These are overlapping events. Why is that important? Because we just saw a series of stories of how the judges and the children of Israel precipitously declined in their morality and in their calling and in their relationship with God and it ends with what we saw at the end of our our, 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 our the book of Judges. So we saw all this and, and it's easy to go through that story and to lose hope. And this is where Ruth comes in. Because while all of that mess and all of that craziness, the child sex trafficking, the gang raping, the the killing, the bloodbath, all the stuff that is happening in Israel. While all of that is happening, something else is happening as well. While all of that is going down, something else is going down as well which is why the book of Ruth is there from the beginning because the other thing that's happening in the midst of all of that is Ruth. How do we know that? Because the first verse in Ruth says, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was famine in the land, the story of Ruth is happening at the same time that we see everything that's going down in Judges. Did y'all catch that? This is important. So while all of this transpired and while all of this was going down and while the Judges are falling into precipitous moral decline and while the children of Israel are falling apart because of the fact that there was no king. That's how it ends. This is when I tell you that this is poetry, this is imagery, this is literary masterpiece, this is This is the beauty of the scripture and the beauty of the Bible. The beauty of the Bible is is where the tension is. The scriptures quickly give you the presentation of the resolution because the tension at the end in Judges 21 was that there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. In those days, there was no king. And yet in those same days... God is working out a story. If there was a title that I would give today's uh, podcast that I'm recording right now, today's episode, it would be Meanwhile. You ever watched a movie and you're seeing all these things transpire in the movie and then all of a sudden the screen goes black and then the words come up that say, Meanwhile? Meanwhile? Ruth is the meanwhile. Meanwhile, while man is doing what is right in his own eyes, meanwhile, while the world is falling apart, meanwhile, while the nation of Israel is is falling into depravity, meanwhile, while they're going back and forth into captivity, meanwhile, it came to pass in those days when the judges ruled, that there was famine in the land. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. But all the while, that man was screwing it up, God was still working something on the back end. Meanwhile, a man is falling into disarray and disorder. God is working something in the back end to make it right. Meanwhile, in the days of the judges, while all these things are transpiring, while the world is falling apart, meanwhile, God was still working something. Meanwhile, while your life seems to be falling apart, while you're screwing it up, because we've all been there, and while, you know, we're we're messing it up in and, in and out and in and out and in and out, we keep falling and we keep, God keeps pulling us out. We keep falling and he keeps pulling us out. And meanwhile, while all that is going down, God is doing something. He's at work. And what God is doing is transpiring right here in the story of Ruth. This is a beautiful story, y'all. Because this is the meanwhile. While mankind can't get it together, while the children of Israel can't get it together, while they're, they're falling apart, meanwhile, God is writing a story through Ruth. It's funny that we call the book the book of Ruth because it, it is a story about Ruth, but it's more than that. It's more than that. Ruth inserts itself as the meanwhile, and then it ends itself telling you why the story is even here in the first place. It tells you why the book of Ruth is here in the first place. The story is here in the, fir- in the first place because of those last four verses that we read in that, in that book. But before we even get there, understand that in the story, it's not just Ruth. It's it's Naomi. It's Boaz. It's not just about Ruth. It's about what, what's happening, uh, that God is restoring. Uh, this is not just a story of, of Ruth's faithfulness, because often we preach... Ruth's faithfulness to, to Naomi, but that's not really what the book is about. The book is not about Ruth's faithfulness to Naomi. The book is about how God, through the life of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, is restoring the children of Israel <laughs> through the life of these people, through their everyday life, through the, 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 the everyday meandering of life, through, through the tensions and the difficulties and struggles that it is through these, th- these three people, to what's happening in this interaction of these three people, that God is bringing restoration to the children of Israel, that God is bringing restoration to all of humanity, to all of mankind. So while humanity and mankind is falling apart, God is still writing the story of restoring all people through the everyday life of a woman like Naomi and a woman like Ruth and a man like Boaz. So when the scripture says that there was no king, God was at work to introduce a king. See, (laughs) oh man, I'm I'm ranting. I'm all over the place. I got nothing planned. I, I got nothing planned, so stay with me here. But the scripture ends in Judges saying that there was no king. God saw a problem, and now Ruth is how God solves the problem. There was no king, and every man did what was right in his own eyes, and yet, God is restoring his kingdom, and the kingdom is at work, and he's restoring humanity, and he's doing it right here in this story, in the life of Ruth, Boaz, and Naomi. Family, we often just simply preach what's happening in the interactions with one another, and we talk about it, and somehow we we superimpose a little bit of Jesus in it, or a little bit of God in it, but what we're not realizing is that the poetry of this book, and the poetry of the letter of Ruth, is that Through just the regular interactions and relational tensions and releases of of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi, that God is doing something at work. God is always at work through the normality of our lives our your life can seem mundane it can seem like not much is going on it can seem like well it's just my life and maybe you're going through some issues in your marriage and maybe you're going through some issues at work and maybe you're going through some financial difficulties we see all of that right here in ruth we see marital issues we see a widow we see financial issues we see we see all kinds of issues we see racial issues we see we see um gender tensions and issues. We see all of these things, all in this book of Ruth, and yet God is at work through it. What if I told you that every tension in your life, every challenge in your life, every battle in your life, everything that you're going through, no matter what it is that you're going through, that God has a plan that's much bigger than you, even through the pain and the suffering that you're experiencing. Ruth is about how God is working through the suffering of Naomi, that God is working through the faithfulness and the loyalty of Ruth, and God is working through the faithfulness of Boaz. This was not about Boaz. This was not about Ruth. This was not about Naomi. This was about God working through the connections. Oh, can we, can we work for a little bit? This is how God is at work through their connections. This is about how God is at work through their tension. This is about how God is at work through their life. This is about how God is at work because we know what's happening over in Moab. We know what's happening over uh, with Gideon. We know what's happening with Deborah. We know what's happening with Samson and the Philistines. We know what's happening in all of this. And yet while all of this is happening, God is working through these people And yes, the story initially seems very mundane. It's very uninteresting. When you read the story, you see it and you're like, man, we've seen this before. But why is this in the Bible? Why does this matter? I'm going to just go ahead and and release the tension here. It matters because in verse 18, chapter 4, sorry, in verse 17, chapter 4, we see a Ruth who gives birth to a son. Whose name is Obed, who is the father of Jesse, who is the father of David. This was about God working and bringing the king that Israel does not have. Ruth, at the end of the day, if we if we back away. And just look at Ruth, because sometimes we get, too, we get too deep in it, and we miss it. We miss it. Judges ends, there is no king, and Israel does what is right in his own eyes. Ruth ends with, there is a king, and he's coming, and he's coming through what's happened in this story. This was about making sure We make sure we put this story that seems very mundane. And make sure you see that no, 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 guys. God ain't done yet. These people are falling apart, but God's not done yet. There is no king, but there is one (laughs) because God is at work. So let's make sure we tell you the story of how God is bringing restoration to the children of Israel. (sighs) I'm ranting. I hope this is all making sense. I hope this is is not throwing you off. I hope this is bringing understanding to you because when you read Ruth, do not read it as if this is about Ruth. This is actually about something much bigger. This is about God's grand plan. This is about God's redemptive plan. And watch this. God is restoring the chosen people of God with a woman that the people of God would have never chosen So while the people of God are falling apart While the children of Israel are falling apart Doing what is right in his own eyes God is writing a story Through the pain and the suffering Of a Moabite woman Who was not even among the chosen people of God the chosen people of God are falling apart. The people that the chosen people would not have chosen is the ones that God is choosing to use. Oh my goodness, are you seeing what's happening here? Because anybody who wants to say, That being chosen is about simply your DNA and the bloodline. If that was it, then Rahab would not have been part of Jesus' bloodline. And now we see a new player in this story, another woman in this story, a woman who's not even among the chosen people of God, but rather a Canaanite woman, a Moabite woman, a woman who's of the nation of the enemy, who oppressed the children of God, and yet God is using her, bring restoration back to the children of israel god is restoring the bloodline and now he's restoring the bloodline with a moabite there's so much you can say there so much you can preach there so much you can teach there because let me get let me make sure you understand our being chosen by god has not has very very little to do with our DNA just because your mama was chosen and just because your mama was a preacher and just because your daddy was a preacher and just because your mama prayed and because you know your daddy prayed and because you grew up in a praying house does not mean you get to be included in the family of God the family of God has very little to do with DNA and has everything to do with loyalty commitment and submission to him cliff no version of the story. In those days, there was a famine. Does that sound familiar? And when there was a famine, a man who was of the tribe of Judah, who came from Bethlehem, left the land to go to Moab. Does that sound familiar? We see a replaying of the story. Again, this is the intertwining poetic justice of God. It's his poetic righteousness, and yet they leave to go to Moab. And when they get to Moab, this man dies, leaves Naomi as a as a um, as a widow. Then his sons die, leaves Naomi, leaves Ruth and Orpah as widows. And Naomi knows what the life of a widow is like, and says to both Orpah and Ruth, and says to them, "Go back, go back, because." Um it ain't good over here on this side. I'm going to go back, but life is hard for a widow. Life is really hard for a widow, and life is even harder for a young widow because you could you could be pulled off the side of the road and you could be sexually assaulted. You could be you could be taken advantage of. There's a lot that comes with going back to a land that was meant to protect the widow but now doesn't protect it. Because the law that they were given told them to protect the widow. But now the widows weren't protected, and so she was not sure what would happen and what would transpire. So she told them, go back. Go back, because the land that had the law of God now is a lawless land. But Ruth says something profound. Because watch this. Many people preach that Ruth had an allegiance to Naomi. But that's not what the scriptures say. She was with Naomi, not because of Naomi, but she was with Naomi because of her God. Yes, she wasn't born into faith. She wasn't born into the chosen people of God, but she spent enough time with her husband to learn about his ways. She discovered who Yahweh is, and she said, "She said, your God will be my God. Her allegiance to Ruth was not to Ruth, but to what Ruth was a legion to. and in that moment Ruth now was <laughs> Ruth was chosen by faith Oh, that sounds sounds familiar. She was not she was not chosen by blood. She was chosen by faith. In that moment she made a decision she said, I had too much. I've seen too much. I've encountered too much. I can't go back there. I know what's back there, but now I've experienced God, and because I've experienced God, your God will be my God. If I die with you, we're going to die together. I will, I, will, I will die with you, not because I love you so much, and yes, I do love you, but because your God you know there's so much here. Man, there's just so much here that I would preach on. I should just do a whole series on Ruth because it's so powerful to realize that the very thing that should connect us is not our personality, it's not our ethnicity, it's not it's not the areas where we were congruent to each other. It's not where we're parallel to each other, but rather what brings us together is the God that we serve. If we would actually be brought together not by politics, not by ideology, but by Yahweh himself, by God Himself, if only we would be connected by him, if only we'd find allegiance to him and be allegiant to one another because we're allegiant to him. We are one in one another because we are one in him, then we would get over our personalities, we get over all our racial issues in the church, we get over all our ideologies. No, Republicans and Democrats can't go to the same church again because we're more allegiant to philosophy than we are about the God that we serve. We we have issues with black people and white folk being in the church because we're more allegiant to our race and our ethnicity than we are to God Himself we're more allegiance to doctrines and philosophies and theologies than to God himself but but, but Ruth says to her we may not have racial congruence we, we may have two completely different backgrounds I may have grown up on some stuff that you were against and the people that I represent may have been the people that oppressed you but your God will be my God meanwhile While the whole nation is falling apart, there's a Moabite woman who's choosing God by faith. Meanwhile, while everything is falling apart and humanity seems to be in decline, God is working through a woman named Ruth. There's too much here. I don't have the time. I got a few more minutes. Oh my goodness. And I and I, I read this and I see a foreshadow of Christ all through the text. Naomi returns back to Bethlehem and Naomi, sorry, yes, Naomi returns back to Bethlehem and now Ruth is with her, a Moabite woman these are people she doesn't know, a context she doesn't know, she doesn't have, she doesn't have anything. I mean, she doesn't know this culture. She doesn't know this people. She is an outsider. She has chosen perpetual discomfort. She's chosen to be an exile because she has chosen to be with Christ. She has chosen Yahweh. She has chosen the God of Israel. So she overcomes even being an outsider because her God is Yahweh. She gleans from a field. God is at work, and in that field there's this man named Boaz, and scriptures tell us he's a man who was faithful to the law. Boaz is serving a law that the children of Israel have ignored, and Boaz's faithfulness leads him now to govern his land. Just, just, just as, as he. Uh, uh, as he had been told in the scriptures to govern, now he allows the widows to glean from the land because that is what Jewish law stated to do. This is a man who is faithful to the law. And in the text, let's go there real quick. I think it's in, it in chapter two. But in the text, in, in chapter two, verse 20, after she spends a day gleaning from the land, gleaning the leftovers. Boaz sees her. Here's her story, but you catch this in verse 20. She comes back to, to Naomi after the day's work of gleaning as a widow, given permission to glean from the land, to take whatever is left over. Then Naomi said to her daughter, Blessed is he of the Lord, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. don't have enough time, but Jewish law stated this, that if a man were uh, to pass away, that his closest relative ought to marry his wife and buy his land. That was what faithfulness to the Jewish law was. This was the Mosaic law. This was the law. We've read this already, by the way, guys. We read it in Deuteronomy. Um, and we read p- parts of this and elements of this in Exodus as well. This was a man who was faithful to the law. That That man ought to, by obedience to the law, marry the widow and buy the land. Why? So that he continues the bloodline, because the bloodline matters. The life is in the blood. They took the bloodline very, very seriously. So to keep the resources and to keep all that within the house, in the family, they were were they were obligated. It was their responsibility. They were obligated to marry the widow. This was the obligation. Ruth goes back to Bethlehem and lo and behold, the woman is gleaning from a field of a man who is in close relation to her husband who has passed away. Boaz learns about this. Boaz feels obligated now that because this woman is a woman who I have relation to, he feels an obligation to get married to this woman. God is restoring this thing. Of course, he offers, first of all, his other uh, his, another relative that was closer it, to him telling you how faithful he was to Jewish law. He was faithful to the law so faithful to the law, that he made sure he wasn't the closest relative, that he had to find another close relative. This was by obligation. Boaz didn't marry Ruth because he just fell in love with her. He loved her story. He prayed for it. Scriptures are telling us that he prayed for there was an allegiance. He had such an allegiance to God and to Yahweh that he was enamored by her allegiance to Yahweh. Ooh, relationship advice. What attracted Boaz wasn't Ruth. What attracted Boaz was Ruth's commitment to God. Boaz was so committed to Yahweh that it was Ruth's commitment to Yahweh that attracted him to her. Are you guys seeing a thread here? That Ruth and Naomi are together because of Yahweh. And now Boaz and Ruth are connected with one another because of Yahweh. But Boaz, honors, by honoring the law, sought after the cousin who was the closer relative to her to get married to her to make sure he's not breaking any rules. The cousin's like, nah, bruh. I ain't marrying that woman because that woman is a Moabite. But that's the thing. Boaz understood and he knew the law well enough to understand that it wasn't about her blood relation but about her faith commitment. And so while one guy said, I ain't marrying no Moabite woman, Boaz then said, well, if you ain't going to marry her, then I will. Boaz married Ruth out of faithfulness to the law. The term that we use for that is kinsman redeemer. And now Boaz buys the land and in marrying Ruth, he restores Naomi. This isn't just about Ruth. This is about Naomi. This is about the bloodline. It's about something bigger. Because now Boaz, in his faithfulness to the law, allows God to move and to work, and then it ends with the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron, Hezron begot Ram, Ram, Amenadab. Amenadab begot Hashan, Hashan begot Solomon, Solomon begot Boaz, Boaz begot Obed, Obed begot Jesse, Jesse, begot David and we know how it continues on because when we read the gospels we're going to see all these names again and the name that it ends with is Jesus the book of Ruth is inserted because a seemingly mundane story is actually about how God in the background is still working out through the history of humanity, the coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That is what Ruth is all about. So if you left yesterday with <laughs> in a low point, which I can understand how you can leave at a low point, today you should leave on a high note. To know that even on the back end, through the normality of life, through all the things that are transpiring, even through the things that seem unimpressive, through your relationship, through your marriage, through your difficulty, through your homelessness, through all of that, God is still working his story of redemption through you. He's doing it through your pain. He's doing it through your suffering and rules had to deal with everything. And yet in the end, Ruth carried the bloodline of Jesus. God is still restoring family. And I'm encouraged today by Ruth. I'm encouraged because when when Judges ends with, there was no king, Ruth ends with, the king is coming. Where judges ends with there was no king and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Ruth ends with, now that you know this woman's story, oh, by the way, the king is coming. Be encouraged, family. God's working it through you. Be encouraged because once God rules over your life, he begins to work his story through you. God is working it all out. Whatever the enemy thought for good, for evil, God meant it for good. Be encouraged, family. Be encouraged. Father, I just thank you today, Lord, that you are leaving us with, Lord, this snippet, this little story that you just just kind of just, boom, inserted into the text to let us know, Lord, that, Lord, the story didn't look good, but, Lord, it's shifting. Or that meanwhile, while all this is falling apart, Lord, you're doing a work, Lord, through the life of Ruth. But while everything else is is just just in disarray, Lord, you're bringing order to chaos. Lord, that you are trading, or beauty for ashes, that ashes for beauty, that you are bringing life and replacing it. Lord God, that you're replacing death with life. Father, I thank you Lord, for all that you're doing even in this moment, Lord. There are those of us who are hearing this and, and Father, I just ask that you would encourage those who are hearing this today to know, Lord, even in the midst of the trials and the tribulations and the suffering, Lord, that you are working something on the back end. Lord, we bless you today, Lord. Just remind us of that as we continue on and, and persist throughout the day and we say that in Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Family, um, thank you for the gifts, Fulman. Thank you so much. I want to say that, guys. Thank you so much for the gifts. It's really, really encouraging to me. Um, as I mentioned to you, thank you so much, Me1919. Thank you. Um, as I mentioned before, I will be, I will be out for the next uh, four weeks. Uh, m- July is my sabbatical. It'll be a time of reflection, prayer, rest, time with my family. Um, and so, I will be back in August. And in August, we're gonna kick off with um we're gonna kick off with 1 Samuel. And love you too, man. Love you too. Love you too. I I pray that this has brought encouragement to you. I pray that this may have changed your perspective. I pray maybe you see Ruth differently today as well. Maybe you see Ruth differently. I pray that you see the scriptures differently. Um I may jump in and out. Okay, throughout the month, maybe just come in, say hi, say what's up, catch up with you all along the way, but I do want to make this time of rest, so maybe I'll be on for a couple of minutes here and there just to jump in. So um, so yeah, be encouraged, family, but I, I, I just want you to know I will be back, all right? Um, so take this opportunity while we are taking this time of rest. There are many of you who just got on, who started doing this. I have people who are messaging saying, hey, man, I jumped on at Leviticus, or I jumped on in Joshua, some of you who jumped on in Revelation, where we read Revelation last year, or was it last year, or at the beginning of this year? Um, some of you jumped on, you know, you know later on, uh, along the way, wherever you are. I want to encourage you to go ahead and download the podcast. Download the podcast. Uh, catch up. Cause I'm telling you, once you start reading the Bible in this way, start, if, if you, if you are, you know, brand new to this, start at Genesis. They're all available on, in our Facebook group. I, I think Genesis has Genesis. Yeah. Genesis is on the podcast as well. Now start with Genesis and the podcast will still keep updating. Um, it's posting every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I've actually scheduled them all in now. So I'll schedule them all in for Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But I, I just want you to know guys, um, And I've also, the other thing I want to say is is I've been very, very intentional to just pump, create a whole bunch of content in the last like two two or three weeks. So I will have people who will post my content for me. I'll check in every now and then. So I'm not going to go ghost, but I will check in every now and then. Um, And so um, expect, you know, I'll continue to post on TikTok and, and on IG. Uh, I'll continue to post there. But I, I want you guys to catch up with the reading rant. I really want to. Because when you read Genesis, for those of you who are here for the first time, oh, wow, well, I'm encouraged by that, Marie. Um, for those who have been here, the one thing that I've heard from you all is, this has changed the way I read the Bible. Like, I didn't even know to read the Bible this way. Reading from Genesis on, I'm telling you, it. if you are here for the first time, it will liberate you. It will liberate you. Um and and when we get when we finally come back together after you've caught up, uh, we're gonna go into first Samuel with some heat. We're gonna go into first Samuel with some fire and I'm telling you and then you're gonna be able to say because at the end of all of this, you're gonna be able to say I read through the entire Bible by myself like I read the I read the Bible for myself the whole thing. Isn't that awesome for you to say that and to be empowered by that, so it will transform your life. Um, the links are in my bio to both the podcast and also the Facebook group. So yeah, you can catch that. Um, but the podcast, it's called The Read and Rant Podcast on Spotify. I put it out about a month and a half ago. Almost two months now. It's been almost two months. And guys, I'm already at $5,000. I did not expect that. So I'm, 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 I'm encouraged by that. Um, to see so many of you just coming on and just reading scripture. I am so encouraged by that. Um, And also the Facebook group, you can go ahead and join the Facebook group. It's called the font everywhere and they come on right away. So this read and rant is available, will be available right now on Facebook. I got my Facebook family, Adrian. I'm so encouraged by you. It's just, it's been, it's been awesome to seeing you journey through the scriptures. And now you've, you've gone above and beyond. You're almost done with the Bible uh, starting in January. So I, I pray that it's opened your eyes, and I know it has. It always does when you pray, and ask to hear from God, and just read through His Word. Man, it it, it opens. It opens things wide open, and so uh, I'm excited about where we're going next. I'm excited about the journey. First, Second Samuel, First Saint Kings, First Saint Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. These are all, when you, when we actually read through those, you're going to see, man, I, I wish I had read the Bible this way a long time ago. It would have set a lot of things loose in my life. And I would have truly appreciated the, the depth, the breadth, and the nature of Christ and what he actually accomplished in my life and in the life of our nation, our world, humanity, for now and for all time. But uh, we're gonna get there. And it's gonna, I'm telling you, its going it's gonna liberate you. So love you all, God bless you guys. I cannot wait to hear more of the stories of what God's doing in your lives simply through the reading of the word.